Welcome to The Briefly, the podcast companion to the New York City email newsletter with the same name. You can subscribe to the podcast and the email newsletter at thebriefly.com or anywhere podcasts are available. I'm your host, Rob Blatt. Let's jump in to today's podcast edition. On this week's podcast edition of The Briefly, I was joined by Rachel Holiday-Smith, a reporter at The City, which can be found at thecity.nyc. Rachel leads explanatory and service journalism in the city's newsroom and is the unofficial mayor of City Sunsets and Birds on Twitter and one of my influences for starting The Briefly back in 2018. Rachel joins the podcast this week to talk about local news, getting civically involved, and answers a few lightning round questions, including if the full Omni rollout will happen before legal weed shops will be open in the city. Without further preamble, here is my conversation with Rachel Holiday-Smith. Rachel, welcome to The Briefly. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I wanted to talk to you about sunsets and birds. <laughs> Thank God. That's all I ever <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> it would be an injustice in this conversation if we didn't at least touch a little bit on your love of both sunsets and birds. <laughs> Yes. Somehow, I guess in the pandemic, my Twitter account has been taken over by birding, birds. I started being a fan of just the people who do amazing photography of birds in New York City and then became a birder myself, as many people did in the pandemic. So that's one part of my Twitter feed. But then the other is just losing my mind when there's a beautiful sunset in New York. And you know what? The feed is so dark. You have to just add in some levity. And that's how I do it. And I write about very serious things and my Twitter presence is hopefully the opposite of some of the dark things that I that I write about. Plus it helps that all the sunsets come at the end of the day. We're yes. able to we're able to relax a little bit at that point. <laughs> yes, to de-stress a little tiny bit and remind yourself that you should maybe go outside and take some fresh air in and walk around your neighborhood. <laughs> yes, indeed. Talking about the darker stuff, mm. which is the real reason that you're here. So I wanted to talk to you about the importance of local news. Following your career, you have stayed local to New York. Yeah, so I never planned to be in local news, but I started at New York One, everybody's favorite local news station, and I just really got the bug then. I started as just a freelance videographer, just hauling around the big camera. And I, you know, New York One is an incredible newsroom that really functions like a local newspaper. I never expected to be in television, but there I was. And I liked it because they you know, had beat reporters and they covered community board meetings and they did all that stuff. And so I just, I just loved covering local news in New York City specifically. And I think it's because covering news in New York is, you're local, of course, you can do those really small town feel stories, but you're also doing national and international news as well. You know, if you're covering a local court case in New York, it can be national news. So you're never bored. <laughs> There's a lot to cover. It's endless. And then, yeah, I went on to cover Crown Heights, Brooklyn for DNA Info. Rest in peace, DNA Info. Uh, for those who don't know, a wonderful short-lived news site that covered neighborhoods in New York, especially during the tumult that was the Trump presidency. You know, a lot of people just turned inward and thought, what can I do to improve my neighborhood to get to know how politics works on a local level? In a journalistic way, I was sort of doing the same thing. I wanted to stick with local news just because I had always felt that it's the more human way to interact with an audience. You, you actually can talk to people and 
get somebody on the phone and have a more human interaction with folks and also feel like you're making a bit more of a difference. You can see a change in many ways. People think and fret about a presidential election so much, but you know, your council person will actually maybe have a more substantive material difference in your life than the president. If you want to get a tree planted on your block, you're going to call <laughs> your council person, not your the president of the United States. So just to take a random example out of the hat, yeah, I just love local news. And I think people have realized that it's very important and that it's an endangered species <laughs> a bit because there are so few local reporters left. So yeah, I feel really passionate about it. I really love covering New York and I hope to keep doing it for many, many years. I'd like to advocate, by the way, that for anyone that has never done it, that you should absolutely put in a request to get a tree planted somewhere to see oh, yes, to see <laughs> the city in action, but also to see how long it does take for something like that to come through. Yeah, we have often thought about tracing something exactly like that. You know, do an explainer series on getting something done on your block. It's harder than you'd think. <laughs> Transitioning a little bit, I want to talk about the city's government, which I think you may know the most about how the city works and how it functions and how anything gets moved into any place that it might be. <laughs> oh, gosh. There's so much I still don't know. So that makes me a bit nervous, that description. But I have, unfortunately, <laughs> sat through a lot of hearings and community board meetings and all of that. So, Yep. Talking about that and how that works and getting involved, if someone wants to dip their toe into getting involved, what would be the first step that you would recommend someone take? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that I would just make people aware that there are so many ways to be involved that don't involve, you know, running for office or, you know, calling your senator. I mean, those are the things people kind of think of as like, oh, the baseline of getting involved. But in New York, there's a lot of lower level mechanisms for getting involved in local government. One of them is community boards, which I just wrote about and sort of how you can get involved with your community board. But beyond that, you know, there's things called community education councils. A lot of parents get involved with those. They are attached to each school district in the city. There are community gardens. I've heard many times that people who sort of feel adrift and like they don't know their neighbors went and just walked into the local community garden and just said, hey, how can I help? And they meet people who are really involved with their community that way. If we can talk about the community boards, but they're also something called a precinct council, which is the volunteer organization that is the liaison between you and your local precinct. A lot of people opt for that route rather than joining a community board. But I would say that if you're just looking for a way to know your community better, get a vibe for what people are talking about politically, uh, or not politically, is to go to a community board meeting. I think that's that's a real mark of a real New Yorker. People say it takes 10 <laughs> years to be a real New Yorker or to see the death of your first beloved restaurant is the moment you become a real New Yorker. But I don't know. I would say sitting through a community board meeting is is a pretty good way to get your points in that direction. But it, it's a great place to just see what's being talked about and to find out if there's an issue that you want to get involved in and to Really get to know those like long time New Yorker type people who know a lot about your community beyond the things that you would even think of. So there are so many ways though. I mean, you really getting involved with a a local organization that's doing advocacy on something you care about, you know, joining the committee that plants daffodils in your park. There are just endless ways. And there's always people looking for help for volunteers for that type of thing. 
and a good place to find all of that. I'm, I'm going to assume that you would tell me would be thecity.nyc. <laughs> thecity.nyc, yes. And definitely, you know, we do have newsletters. We have our general newsletter, The Scoop, which is every weekday, but we also have a newsletter for the Civic Newsroom, which is sort of what I've been tasked with doing, which explains civic life. We started it because of the election last year, and it was sort of propelled because of that. But we're going forward, planning to make it, you know, a, an accessible way for people to know what's going on in politics for people who aren't in politics and that sort of thing. And it was it was great to hear from people who, you know, are readers last year because they were asking questions to be answered, like, is there local polling and how does local polling work in New York? Or do you need to be a millionaire to run for mayor? Which was a really great question I loved. Just sort of these curiosities that people had. Um, but yes, the city.nyc is our URL. We have lots of tailored newsletters for people who maybe don't want it every day. Um, we also have a newsletter for tenants and renters, which is pretty useful for a lot of folks. So yep, that's where you can find it, the city.nyc. I can't stop thinking about that. Do you have to be a millionaire to run for mayor question? Yeah, it's a good one, right? We saw it and we were like, oh, yeah, that's a great entry point to understanding funding in the political process. And we answered it, you know, we answered that question in a newsletter and we talked to political consultants and people who've done fundraising for politicians and asked them that question. And the short answer is you don't need to personally be a millionaire, but you do need a lot of money and you're going to spend a lot of time fundraising. Even though, and this is maybe two in the weeds, but even though there is this public campaign matching system in New York that takes some of the real extreme need to fundraise constantly out of the local political process, you still do need a pretty intense funding structure and you need to be able to fundraise. So it's quite hard to become mayor if you don't have means, which is a bummer for folks who, who don't have those connections or those big checks rolling in. I think that's on my uh, lottery list. <laughs> to run for mayor? Oh my run gosh. Run for mayor might be a consideration. Not buying a townhouse as you... <laughs> I think the last, at the very least, the last three mayors have owned townhouses, right? I don't know if Rudy Giuliani did, but certainly Bloomberg. Mayor de Blasio. Bloomberg, Bloomberg did. Bloomberg, oh. de Blasio, and Adams all own townhouses. Look at that. Townhouse mayors. <laughs> Although Michael Bloomberg's was in a whole different category. Well, Holy yes. smokes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little, a little different, yes. Maybe a yes. six-story townhouse, but still <laughs> technically considered one. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I've got some lightning round questions for you. All right. The, the first is, which rezoning is going to be a bigger deal in the long run? Gowanus or NoHo Soho? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to cheat and answer this question in a way that doesn't quite answer the question, which is that I think <laughs> that they are both monumentally important in the similar way, which is that I, I cannot even fathom five years ago, someone saying, let's upzone a rich neighborhood. That was not a thing in the culture, in the narrative that anyone was really talking about. <laughs> and the way that it has done a 180 in New York City in politics is crazy. I mean, when I remember when Eric Adams sort of tweeted as a candidate for mayor that he would support Soho, NoHo, and that he wanted to see about adding density and adding the ability to develop and build in rich neighborhoods. And I, I screamed. I mean, I was like, this is great. This is, I cannot imagine a political candidate saying this in the previous cycle or, you know, any time that I had been covering 
things in New York. So whether which one is a bigger deal? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I guess Soho Noho just because I genuinely thought that that was not going to happen. I was pretty convinced that that wouldn't go through. And it has, which is pretty monumental. And for people who aren't haven't been following this, they're changing land use rules to allow more development in Soho Noho. And it's a sea change, I think, in zoning conversations. And it will open the door for conversations around allowing more development in historic districts, perhaps, or richer neighborhoods, neighborhoods where I don't think anyone has thought, you know, it would ever be allowed to have affordable housing in those places or even larger market rate buildings. It just wasn't a thing. Even in the lightning round, getting in an explainer. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. (laughs) I forgot this was lightning round. It's all right. Every answer is appreciated here. (laughs) Okay. The second lightning round question, which one will be finished first? The second phase of the Second Avenue subway or the first phase of the Interborough Express? (laughs) Second Avenue subway. I can say that definitively. It's got some funding. It's got some momentum. I think that'll happen first. Okay. All right. Uh, And the next one, which is partially inspired by something that you've written recently, which will we see first? The full rollout of the Omni system or legal weed shops in the city? (laughs) Legal weed shops. And I say that because I know that that will happen probably in the next year. And Omni, they're saying, what, now a year and a half at least? It's delayed delayed at least 15 right. months, yeah. Yeah, so legal weed shops. And if we're being technical, you can actually buy weed semi-legally now in New York. So <laughs> they're not completely legal, but no one's going to arrest you. So there we go. All right. Those are the lightning round questions. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, I want to thank you for joining us on The Briefly today. Of course. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Well, I'm likewise, I feel the same, and I will continue to read the briefly every day that it's out, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. So, if someone wants to find you online, find your work, and also find the mayor of Bird Twitter and uh, Sunset Twitter combined, uh, where would they find you? Well, read the city.nyc, certainly support us. We are a nonprofit, we love donations, and you can find me at Rachel Holiday, which is two L's Holiday, um, on Twitter for bird and sunset content. Rachel, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for joining me for this podcast edition of The Briefly. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, iHeart, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere podcasts are available or at thebriefly.com. Listen to this. That is the sound of no music. If you have music, that'll be a great fit for The Briefly. Email me at thebriefly at gmail.com and let's get your music onto a future edition of the podcast. If you have a suggestion for someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or maybe yourself, my email is thebriefly at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Briefly's News Digest or the podcast at thebriefly.com. I'm Rob Blatt and we'll talk again next edition.